On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks make a transaction on a Saturday afternoon, bringing in a couple of interesting young players, as well as a couple of draft picks, and importantly, sending basically nothing out. We'll dive into all of what transpired in this deal, the implications of it long-term, short-term, and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1512 of the Lofton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Saturday afternoon slash evening here in early July. In fact, it is July 1st. Today's podcast is brought to you by the folks at Prize Picks. If you're a first time user, you can also receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast, whether you're a new listener or a recurring listener, to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, also YouTube on the video side. And today's podcast will be diving into a transaction, a trade on Saturday afternoon that broke. We'll get into all the details, all the money stuff, the luxury tax stuff, the player analysis with regard to Usman Garuba and Ty Ty Washington, as well as at the end of the podcast, and look ahead at what's next, what the situation is for the Hawks at this point in time. I'll say this now, this is not a blockbuster transaction. It's not one of those deals that you kind of have to just drop everything and talk about at the highest level, not like the most famous players in the world. But it's pretty interesting in some ways. So we'll dive into it right now. Sham Sarani reported first uh, the deal in kind of strange fashion on Saturday afternoon. He tweeted that the Rockets were, quote, nearing a deal to send Tata Washington and Usman Garuba to Atlanta along with draft compensation. A lot of people flat out assumed that meant Clint Capella would be heading to Houston. Um, I did not assume that. In fact, I tweeted otherwise, but it did cross my mind to be sure and I did say that it was either Capella going back to Houston or it was the Rockets trying to open up some more cap space, even more, even though they already have a bunch of cap space, which is why Capella was one of the most appealing options for them. But uh, to be very, very clear, Capella's not in this transaction, which is kind of surprising on some level that the Hawks and Rockets would make a deal that did not involve Clint at this point in time. But then Laura Williams at the AJC reported the details that were specific. They did not include Capella, and I confirmed right after that, that they were accurate. So it is Usman Garuba. Tatai Washington, a 2025 second round pick via the Minnesota Timberwolves, and a 2028 second round pick via Houston, plus cash, con- cash considerations from the Rockets to the Hawks. Lord, by the way, reported it's $1.1 million in cash from Houston to Atlanta. As a reminder, cash does not influence the salary cap. It's just basically ownership uh, passing money along. So that's not really an implication of this trade, but two picks and two players. And because in the NBA, you have to send something back in any trade. Uh, you cannot just take stuff in without sending anything back, no matter what happens. So uh, in place of a fake pick or whatever, the Hawks are sending Alpha Kaba to the Rockets. I will talk about the players later on in the show, but I want to start by talking about the process and kind of the money parts of this, because clearly the reason to do this, if you are Houston, is to clear out your books and trade two guys, create two, two roster spots, and also get off some money. Also interesting from Atlanta's perspective. So, Tyson Washington just finished his rookie season. He was a first-round pick last year. He is owed $2.3 million for the coming season. That is guaranteed money. And then the Hawks will have to decide on a, on a team option for him for about $2.4 million in the following season, plus another one after that in year four if he's still on this contract at that point in time. Garuba just finished year two. He's actually being paid $2.588 million for this year, so about $2.6 million, a little bit more than Washington and has one more team option year in 24-25 in his fourth year with whichever team has his contract. This deal also gets done 
using two separate trade exceptions. So for the nerds out there, uh, the only way that, that this deal can actually be legal is because the Hawks have two exceptions to take on this money because the Hawks are well over the cap. So they have to have a reason or matching salary and they, all that stuff. It doesn't actually matter, but one of those deals, either Washington or Garuba, or Garuba, will be fitting into the trade exception that the Hawks received when they traded Mo Harkless last year, so a long time ago. And the other one will fit into the John Collins exception. I tried to warn people the other day on the podcast that the, the big exception that the Hawks created for Collins was probably not going to lead to another big, flashy player. And the end result is going to be that they take in one of these two guys that slot, at least as of right now. Stuff can always change. This is not beneficially announced, which is something I should say right now. The Hawks literally cannot announce this trade until at least July 6th. So there's still a chance that more stuff happens around this or all the time in the NBA during this moratorium period in between the league years, deals get kind of, you know, expanded, let's say. There's like stuff that can go on both ways, et cetera. So what we know right now, is that transaction, it's been agreed to, all that stuff, it cannot be announced until July 6th. And also, the John Collins deal has to happen first. And that has not been announced yet, and that cannot um, happen until July 6th. So keep all that in mind. There's nothing official about this trade. It's been reported. It's been confirmed by me and others. It happened, but it's not been officially announced to this point in time. So essentially, the Hawks are receiving two former first-round picks um, in Garuba in Washington, and they're both still making very little money at this point. Plus, the Hawks get two second-round picks, and cash in the pockets of ownership while sending essentially nothing back to Houston. I'm not saying this by any means, but even if you thought absolutely nothing of Usman Garuba or Tate Washington or both, this deal would still be favorable for the Hawks. I'll say that one more time. Even if you thought absolutely nothing of those guys, or you hated those guys and don't care anything about them, taking on those two very small salaries for two second round picks and cash is a reasonable deal in itself. Because you're taking on about five and a half, six million dollars in money and basically getting paid like you're taking on that kind of money. So it's a pretty good value just in that sense for the Hawks to add future second round capital. And for, for the record, I don't view Garuba or Washington as dead salary like that. But even if you did, even if you thought nothing of those guys, this deal, in my mind, is still totally fine for the Hawks. So it's all upside when it comes to Washington and Garuba. It does create some roster stuff for the Hawks, some questions there. The downside risk is very, very minimal. There's at least a chance that they find a long-term rotation guy out of either Garuba or Washington or both, plus the second-round picks, adding those in after sending so many out at the deadline this year to get Sadiq Bay, Bruno Fernando, and Garrison Matthews. And unless there are added protections that I don't know about in this deal, the second-round picks are pretty decent. They're not incredible picks, but certainly not like total throwaway picks. Sometimes those picks can be kind of fake and uh, not really assets at all, but those actually are real second-round picks that at least that I can glean so far. So overall, and we'll dive into the players in a second, this is a deal in which the Hawks get basically four bites of the apple. Two young players who are 21, 22 years old, first round picks in the last two years for the price of nothing, plus two second round picks and cash. And basically the only, only real opportunity cost is roster spots and maybe a little bit of flexibility. But I think overall, and we'll get into all of why in a second with regard to the players and all that stuff, this is a very positive, good bit of business for the Hawks, in my opinion. We'll talk about that more in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix. If you enjoy the DFS space, check out the award-winning app at PrizePix. PrizePix is a daily fantasy made easy. It's amazing. I know that you will love it as well. It's very easy to use. I've been playing there for quite a while now, really a couple of years. It's really a breeze to operate within the PrizePix structure. At PrizePix, you pick two to six players. Actually choose whether they have more or less a certain number of points or rebounds or yards in football, total bases in baseball, et cetera. With 25 times the money on your entries at PrizePix, and they offer numbers on all kinds of sports, NBA, college basketball, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, and more. 
And a whole entry can be done in just a minute or less. It's that easy and that quick. Plus, it's just you against the numbers, making it very straight ahead to evaluate. They have safe and fast withdrawals. So they're operating in more than 30 states now. Plus, Canada. Download the app right now, PrizePace or PrizePace.com. Sign up by Daily Fantasy Sports right now. If you're a first-time user, you get 100% instant deposit match of $100 with promo code Locked On. Don't forget that promo code. It is Locked On at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at PrizePace. All right, we'll dive in now to the player evaluation part of this transaction. And again, essentially the Hawks are setting up nothing in this trade. I had a chuckle at at least two people that asked me who Alpha Kaba was, simply because I have been covering this team for way too long. Alpha Kaba, for those of you that may not know this, was the second round pick of the Hawks in 2017. He was the last pick in the second round, number 60 overall. He's played for the Hawks in Summer League a couple times in the future, sorry, in the past. At this point, there should be assumptions and I'm not saying this in a mean way, but you have to assume that he's not going to play in the NBA at this point. He's a little bit older at this point in time and not going to be a guy that the Hawks still had really any plans for in the future. So essentially, like I said before, you have to include something in the transaction and the Hawks set Alpha, Alpha Kaba, but I wouldn't worry about that coming back to bite them in the near or long-term future. As for the players, Usman Garuba, 6'8", reported 7'2", wingspan before the uh, draft itself two years ago. He's 21 years old, he's 22 years old in March is actually younger than Washington, despite coming into the league a year earlier than Washington did. The big thing with Garuba is his defense. And that was the same case uh, as a prospect. I talked about him actually extensively before the draft two years ago. I really, really like his defense. Um, He's strong. He moves well laterally. He can switch. I think he can rebound as well. He had really good steal and block rates this year, Um, really across both years that he's played so far in the NBA, about 1,200 minutes in the NBA so far, Um, 3.2% block rate. 2.2% steal rate, very solid stuff there. He did foul a lot this year, is fairly aggressive and physical, but I think in a small role, that's okay. From the tracking, he basically played all of his minutes or close to it at center this year. He's been a little bit more at the four as a rookie, but he's basically in practice or in role, a small center. And again, 6'8", not huge, but like a Kong Wu, has a long wingspan and is very physical. And I think I wouldn't worry too much about that, but Obviously, can play a little bit of four, a little bit of five. We'll come back to that later on. But I think for the most part, last year in Houston, he was a backup center for them. A very, very low usage player on offense. About 10% last year. That's one of the league, league lowest numbers. Like P.J. Tucker style, as far as like not a lot running through him on offense. And honestly, that is the question with Garuba, is what his offensive role might be. He's a pretty good passer, actually. That's very helpful, sort of on the short role as a playmaker there. Uh, he's comfortable with the ball in his hands through that lens, but... Houston basically only used him in that way or either right at the rim or as a four spacer to the corner. So he didn't really shoot at all, like outside the paint other than corner threes and some, maybe some wing threes this year. Um, shot 41% from three actually this year on a pretty small sample size. Only shooting when he's kind of wide open, but there is something there potentially with his shooting. I'm not saying he's going to be a great shooter, but it's like, he's not like a total non-shooter either, which is probably useful, but long story short, Garuba, really good defensive prospect, Really a guy that is, that's already good in the NBA, in my mind, with what I've seen as, as a defender right now, uh, but offensively a lot more work to do. And I'll say this now, I will certainly acknowledge I have not watched as much of Garuba as I have watched all the Hawks players we talk about on this podcast. So I'm not an expert at this point on Garuba. I'll have more I have more film to watch, but that's kind of a sky report on him so far. Washington, 21 years old from Kentucky, actually slipped unexpectedly down to 29 overall in last year's draft after, after people, including me, thought he was probably going to go uh, earlier than that. Um, he had a really rough rookie season. I asked people today that um, covered the Rockets, and basically they thought it was kind of um, unfair to him the way they kind of handled him this year. They played some guys who were questionable over him at times, but when he played, he was not very good. That's worth pointing out. 
He didn't turn them all over, which is nice, but he didn't make shots either. Not much as well as far as like exciting stuff on the stat sheet for a rookie. I always say this, but rookies are generally bad, especially rookie guards. So I'm not surprised he struggled, but uh, not, a, not a ton to cling on to from this year. He did put up some big numbers in the G League, 23 points a game in 18 games for the G League. Didn't shoot it incredibly well, but shot a lot of threes, which I do like about him in general. Enough to make them moving forward, but certainly some some skill and some pedigree there as a former Kentucky guy, big time prospect uh, out of high school, etc. Going back to the draft, his appeal was kind of his feel and his passing and his touch on offense. He is not a very good athlete by NBA standards. Obviously, by normal person standards, he, he definitely is. But as far as like for a guard who is six three, six four in shoes, six eight wingspan, pretty good size for a point guard slash combo guard, but athletically he is pretty limited, which is probably by far the biggest question about him coming into the league, why he probably fell a little bit on draft day. And that showed up a little bit in the film that I saw this year, limited as it is. So getting separation will be a question for Tata Washington. Defensively, can he hold up in the NBA as a limited athlete? Again, he's, he's got pretty decent size for a point guard, but not a guy who has a great twitch or like explosiveness factor at this point in time. So uh, we'll get into kind of more about these guys in a second, but essentially Garuba, as a small ball center, defense first prospect that was uh, certainly a first rounder um, in pedigree and certainly plays like it at times. Washington, five-star guy out of high school, um, much more of a skill player on offense, um, small, smaller guard anyway, not, not tiny, but smaller, not a great athlete, but certainly a lot of skill level. And if you make shots, can be pretty appealing. So that's kind of the rough outline of what these two guys are. I'll talk about sort of the context in a second about like what you can expect from the Hawks, about what you do sort of the outline of these players because they have not been playing Hugely prominent roles in the national NBA landscape at this point in time. All right, when we're right, when we're right here from our sponsors, we'll come back, talk about the context and mailbag questions I got about the trade itself. What's next for the Hawks and more? Hold on tight. All right, some mailbag questions on the trade itself on this Saturday. And by the way, I'm recording this podcast about 6.30 p.m. Eastern. So keep that in mind for anything that happens after that. This time of year, nothing is evergreen. Everything changes. So keep that in mind when I'm going through all these questions. But first comes from Ethan, who says, is Garuba more of a four or a five? And if the Hawks keep Capella, how does he figure into the rotation? So a good question here. I think I lean to him being more of a five than what I've seen so far, especially on offense. Defensively, he can play both spots. I think that's pretty clear. He's very versatile and effective defensively. That's definitely the number one appeal by a lot of Garuba. As far as this year's rotation, I would not bet on him playing on opening night. Let's just say my my test here on rotation players is like, okay, no injuries, current roster, opening night, would he play? And my guess is no. Um, I wouldn't say definitively no, but I would say, my guess would be no. I think if they were to cut Bruno Fernando, which certainly could happen, and one of the questions I got about uh, about this trade was actually about Bruno, I think it's not great news for Bruno because I think Garuba probably is viewed as more of a center than some. And, of course, the Hawks pushed back Bruno's guarantee date by about 12 days. So if I had to guess, it's not great news for him. But if Bruno was not there, I think you could probably project Garuba at present on the current roster as the third center. He could probably play with the Kongu as well, maybe a little bit before I think he and Capella would not work particularly well on offense together, but I, I do think that maybe Kongwu would be able to play with him. And if nothing else, probably a third center option for the Hawks with some versatility beyond that. Question from Tyrone, who says, who is more likely to help this, this next season between Washington and Garuba? I think Garuba is the answer, mostly because he's more proven. He's played a lot more in the NBA. He's a year ahead of Washington on, the, uh, on, this, on sort of the curve. And essentially, I think neither guy would play right away if there were no injuries, but Garuba's defense is the best sort of side of the floor. If you say, you know, offense, defense, two, both, both players, there's four different uh, options there. Garuba's defense is pretty clearly the best of all four, like better than Garuba's offense, better than Washington's offense, et cetera. So that's probably what I would say is kind of leans to Garuba. If they just needed some defense 
and some, you know, he, I think he's more proven at this point in time. So I do think Washington still has a chance to be an NBA player, but he did struggle this last year. You can't really ignore that. Gruba was much more of a safe bet to play. Uh, I had some people ask what Washington's role might be. I think if he's still on the team, which is not an absolute lock either, he's probably a pretty deep bench guy this year, probably some time in College Park potentially. But he's young enough, has the pedigree at 21, something that certainly could be unlocked if you make some shots. He's going to have to make shots, I think, because of the limited uh, burst that he has. But I wouldn't rule out either one of these guys becoming uh, rotation guys down the line. I just would say that was probably going to be happening right now. So to end the podcast, basically what now is the big question I got from a lot of different people. I'm not saying that the Hawks are done making trades or that they're definitely going to keep Capella or Hunter or anything like that. They could be, as I said previously, this week into last week, they could be done. They could roll kind of with what they have. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but they they obviously could do that. Unlike a lot of teams, they don't have to make sweeping changes to get under the tax or uh, form a roster. They're kind of, at the present time, a complete team. Is that team incredibly good? That's an interesting question. I would say that they're a contender right now, but certainly they could roll with this team into the season. Uh, they do have roster decisions to make either way. So first things first, if they take in Garuba and Washington in this trade, that means the Hawks would have 17 players on NBA contracts right now. That is, and that does not account for anything for Seth Lundy or Muhammad Gay, the second round picks. So even if the Hawks put both of those guys, Lundy and Gay, on, on two-way deals, they still would have 17 guys, 15, 15 spots before the opening night roster. Now, right now, that's fine. You can have as many as 20 guys under contract. Maybe, maybe it's even higher than that. But on opening night, 15 players is the maximum you can have. Right now, the Hawks have 17. So keep that all in mind. They have some work to do, some, some choices to make in the next days, weeks, months. There are three guys on non-guaranteed contracts. One of those is Bruno Fernando, I talked about earlier, being pushed back to July 10th. He's one of those guys. Then you have Tyrese Martin and V. Krejci. All three of those guys can be moved on from for no penalty. Bruno in the next nine or 10 days, Martin and Krejci anytime between now and January. So those are the... I would say the most easy and straight ahead options to uh, change the roster and sort of move on from guys would be to cut any of them. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but the penalties there are very little. The Hawks also might want to give Lundy, Lundy or Gay or both long-term deals. And if they want to do that, they have to do even more work. So I'm not going to project anything there, but certainly if I was Martin, if I was Krejci, if I was Fernando, there's certainly some, uh, some question about whether they're going to be around long-term with the Hawks. Also, the Hawks could very easily buy out Rudy Gay or trade him in the coming days. That's something we should not forget because I'm including him on all these numbers because he's he's certainly counting against the salary cap. But from what I hear, the Hawks are not exactly planning to have Rudy Gay on the team this season. I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm not ruling it out, any of that stuff. But I think if I had to guess right now, Rudy would not be on the team. So maybe that's as simple as they just cut Rudy Gay, pay him, or buy him out. That's one spot they could potentially use as well. So keep that in mind. That's sort of a flexible spot where they are paying him, he's guaranteed, but uh, not, a, not a lock to be on the team for sure. Last thing before we get out of here, as far as the cap, the cap and taxes are concerned, the Hawks have 14 guys on guaranteed deals. They add up to about $155 million or so. That's a very round number. It's a little bit less than that, but still. They're about 10-ish million under the luxury tax line right now with a full roster, essentially. So the Hawks have some room there. If they want to use the mid-level exception, they definitely still can. If there's one guy they want to sign to that, to that they definitely can do it. But they have a roster crunch, clearly. And, you know, at this point in time, I joked about it today, but it is true. The Hawks have not been publicly reported or linked through a credible national or local reporter to any single free agent the entire cycle. And I've looked. They've not been reported. Now, I've heard guys they've talked to, but as far as, like, to the point where a national person or a local person or even me could, like, be confident enough to report a name that they're linked to, 
no one's done that, which kind of tells you the Hawks are pretty full, number one, from a roster standpoint, and also the trade stuff's out there. Um, it's just interesting. So free agency has been a little bit cold. I did a recap last night about free agency stuff. A lot of that's still relevant right now. But keep in mind, like nothing's really happening there on that front in terms of like buzz or immediate action. Um, but still, some, some choices to make there. They are comfortably under the tax. That definitely matters. But um, flexibility there if they want to add somebody in the next couple of weeks. There was a local reporter in Houston who actually uh, reported that the Hawks are, I believe, the he had, a, he had a source that said, quote, they expect Capella to stay with the Hawks until the deadline at least, end quote. I can't confirm that, but it wouldn't stun me. Also, as I've been recording this podcast, one of the questions that people were having was kind of like, what is Houston doing? Which I also tweeted. I'm not really sure why Houston did this transaction. This is not the Lock on Rockets podcast. But uh, I think the big reason, again, was to, was to shed money. But it seems like Houston is going to use their newfound cap space, extra cap space, on a combination of Dylan Brooks and Jock Landale. That's been reported. Um, Dylan Brooks, obviously famous player defensively. Jock Landale, former Hawk in terms of summer league stuff, was on, on the Suns last year. Um, interesting decisions by Houston all around. I'm not sure I would have paid what they paid. In fact, again, it's a good deal for the Hawks because of all that stuff. But anyway, that's why Houston's doing what they're doing at the at this point in time. There's still, I'm sure, going to be some Capella buzz out there. But if you look around the league, the suitors for Capella that were really obvious to both cut salary for the Hawks and actually have a role for him are dwindling. Also, DeAndre Hunter, the buzz is still a little bit out there. But still, for, the, for now, the Hawks made a pretty good trade today, and that's kind of a takeaway on this podcast. So we'll have more in the future. The Hawks could still make another trade of a bigger fashion with regard to Capella or Hunter or even someone like Murray or whatever. But I think I always lean toward trades being more unlikely than not because that's kind of how this stuff works. But um, at the moment, the Hawks can kind of roll with this. But as far as like this transaction is concerned, on the whole, it's not earth shattering. I totally get that. There's like nuance involved here. It's kind of a diehards kind of trade. There's not a whole lot of impact when it comes to national talking points, all that stuff. But for me, the Hawks take on two guys who are young and talented and cheap. Both guys were first round picks in the last two years for a reason. That's kind of the way I put that. Doesn't mean they're going to be great players, but they were talented enough to be, and they're still young. 21, 21 years old is very, very young still in the league. Plus they get two picks and don't close a lot of doors in the process. So that does not mean Groove is going to be great or Washington's going to be great or that they'll play this year, or that they'll either stay on the team. There's still a chance that they trade either one of these guys or cut one of these guys or whatever. Don't get married to these guys just yet. But like I said earlier, I think it would be totally fine or even probably pretty good to do this trade, even if you thought neither guy was good. So that kind of tells you what I think of the transaction. Uh, hopefully, if you're a repeating listener, you will know this. But if you're a new listener, I am not someone who will come on the podcast and just tell you that something's good if I don't believe it. I'm pretty, um, I, I, won't, I won't say skeptical, but I'm certainly not going to just say what everyone wants me to say. I will give you my opinion. I think it's an informed one. I do a lot of research and a lot of work on covering the Hawks, but I don't just say things. And I think this is a good deal for the Hawks. I think it's not going to be one that like changes your life probably. But if you ask me if I would have done this trade, the answer is definitely yes for Atlanta. So that's kind of my synopsis at this point in time. We'll have more on it in the future. We get more details and uh, hold on tight as free agency continues. We will have some pre-summer league stuff. The Hawks have not, have not announced their roster just yet, but hopefully in the next day or two, we will have that. The Hawks play a summer league game on Friday. I have two podcasts in the can, one with Bryce Hendricks talking about Muhammad Gay, and he covered him at Washington State. Another one with Dylan Burkhart, covering, uh, who covered Kobe Bufkin at Michigan. So those are coming in the near future. I'm trying to space those out a little bit because they are not free agency related and they will they will hold, but I'm planning to have those podcasts up between now and Summer League on Friday, plus a little bit of a preview of Summer League with regard to the schedule and the players to watch, all that fun stuff, plus any reaction that we get to transactions or rumors, et cetera, 
We are wall-to-wall here on this podcast. Please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Please follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my Patreon work as well, patreon.com slash BT Roland. I really appreciate everybody listening to the podcast on a Saturday evening. And if nothing else, I'll be back again early this coming week with more on the Atlanta Hawks. Thanks for being here, everybody, as always, and we'll see you next time.